You guys got one? Yeah, uh, what does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus? It's a, it's a really good question. And uh, I think um, I want to uh, just diminish and eliminate any feeling in whoever asked that question that like you should know that answer or you should know better because like yeah. you come to church so you should know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Uh, great question. Uh, first of all, thanks for asking the question. I believe, uh, I believe we, need, we need to ask more questions. I think uh, so many times we give statements and we're not asking enough questions. If you want to become a better follower of Jesus, a better leader, sorry, this is a little tangent, but I'll get to the question. If you, but if you want to do that, like, ask more questions. Like, find, like, a, like a Mary Cosby. Like, she has, like, you have seen some life and you have followed Jesus a long time. People need to ask her more questions. Like, 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 it, so, thank you for asking the question. Okay, now what does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus? Well, what we see in scripture to be saved, to, to experience salvation is that when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that he was raised from the dead, that you are saved. And, and Chase actually preached a message on this. I don't know, was it in Young Adults? All right, so, uh, but, uh, but preach in other places. <laughs> he preached a message on, on, uh, on a lot of times we're really good with being saved by Jesus, but not making him Lord over our life. And, uh, and so what it means to have a relationship with Jesus is you become his disciple. And I've been, I've been looking into a lot of, uh, of, of stuff about what it means to be a disciple. And I think we've really got it twisted. But uh, if you want to know more about that, look up John Mark Comer, Discipleship. So if you want more on that, but, um, but really it is to, to, to surrender everything over to Jesus. Like, like if, if you have something in your life that you are not willing to give up for the cause that Jesus wants to put you on, yeah. like then, then somewhere there's a gap in your relationship with Jesus. Yeah. So like when it, what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, like it's all or nothing. Like there is no halfway relationship with Jesus. And so, um, I, I would say just like keep showing up here. Like so often, I think we complicate it, and so um, spend time with Jesus. You you have access because of what, what He did on the cross. That we have the Holy Spirit, so we have access wherever we are. And so uh, spend time with Jesus. Talk to Jesus. It's really simple. It's like this: Hey Jesus, how am I doing? How are we doing? Like, don't overcomplicate it. It's really simple. And I promise you, your relationship with Jesus will grow as you, as you seek him, as you, as you spend time with him, you'll become more like him. And uh, that's, what it, I, that's what I think it means to have a relationship with Jesus. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Macaulay, you stand out to you? <clears throat> um, go ahead. Okay. Um, there's a bunch of great ones and someone is asking in a row. I'm gonna try to hit uh, a couple of them here. Uh, one of them asks, am I hypocritical if I'm mad at God but still worship him? It's mm. a good question. Love that question. Uh, no, absolutely not. You are not a hypocrite. Uh, I think you're real. I think you're a real human. And, and probably more authentic than a lot of people um, who claim to follow him. And um, I mean, I think you see a beautiful model of, of that tension in that relationship. <laughs> throughout the Psalms, throughout David's life. I mean, he, he's constantly going back and forth between like, God, why, to God, you're amazing, you know, and up and down. And, yeah. um, and I think you can very, I think so much of worship is leading yourself you know, beyond, the, beyond how you feel. And so uh, I think you can be mad, frustrated, confused, uncertain, and you can still 
with all of your guts, worship God for who he is. Um, and it doesn't make you a hypocrite. It doesn't make your worship any less authentic. It doesn't make what you're struggling with any less uh, real. So, um, no, not hypocritical. Um, if God loves us, uh, if God loves us and we have to do, if God loves us and if all we have to do to go to heaven is believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, parentheses, and all that jazz, and parentheses. <laughs> Why does he have to put us through trials? Why should we have to prove our faith? Such a good question. Um, I think this, I mean, if, when I read that question, I think a part of the thing, the thing that comes to mind is just that, that process of salvation and sanctification. It's, it's that you're saved, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord. Um, you're saved, your position is secure in Christ, but then there's a sanctification process that begins, like, just like my, my wife and I's wedding day, um, you know, like that day was a big deal, our marriage, our wedding. We, we were married that day, but then we have a whole marriage that is the evidence of what happened that day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, obviously, in our own human experience, so many ups and downs in that, that marriage covenant. And so I think in a similar way, that's kind of what it, what it looks like when it comes to that process of, that's what it means to be saved. That's all you quote unquote have to do, that, all that jazz. But, uh, but then there's this process that really tests that being legitimate, to test that commitment, to test that covenant, and I don't think it can really be tested unless there's trials. I don't think it can really be tested unless there's there's fire that refines that that whole thing. And I don't understand it all. Obviously, I don't think any of us do. But um, you know, there's so much scripture that speaks to those things in James um, and, and a lot of other places in the New Testament when Paul's talking about trials and suffering and tribulation, but. Uh, I think a lot of it is, is a part of the process that refines us and tests the, the authenticity of what it actually means to be saved through the sanctification process. So, clarity, you aren't saved through the sanctification process. You're saved, but then the sanctification process begins. Um, great question. Keep pressing into that question because I think uh, God's doing something in your heart. <coughs> Next one. Call. Um. You guys can talk more on this question as well, because I think it's a really big question in the church right now. Um, and there are quite a few questions on here that um, ask about the LGBTQ community. Um, and when I saw that question, that's a question that you can sometimes be scared of. Um, and so my biggest thing is that you want to love them. You want to love that community. Because hating or putting judgment is never going to reach someone for Jesus. It never will. Yeah. Um, what I will say is never sacrifice your faith to the altar of being culturally relevant. Mm -hmm. um, you cannot say, I love Jesus, but then pick apart the Bible and what it says. Um, or that I follow Jesus and, and, and dismiss what the Bible says. Wrestle with the questions. Wrestle with it. Absolutely. Go for answers. Talk to the Lord. Be honest. Say, God, I don't understand this, but you can't just dismiss it. Um, and so I would say, ultimately, love them. Love 
then. That is exactly what Jesus would do. Jesus hung out with the tax collectors and the sinners, and he's, and he's, you know, that's what he's he's known for is going after people that were judged and, and outcasted. Um, so go after them, love them, do not judge them because we all have done things, we all do things, um, but do not sacrifice your faith to the altar of being culturally relevant. Yeah. I mean, when you read through the Gospels, um, I've been wrestling with this personally, with, especially with the LGBTQ community. Um, yes, 100%. I, I don't think you're going to ever see someone transformed by hating them towards yeah. a, a different belief system. Yeah. Um, but the more I study Jesus, I can't get around this the, the reality, at least the lens that I see the Gospels when I see Jesus interact with people that are outcasts that would be considered somebody that has an opposite view and um, they're not behaving, quote unquote, in the way that maybe the, the scriptures would say. The way he engages them, I mean, it's so, it's it's just, it's profound in so many ways, but like, he he gets close to them. Yeah. One, he just finds a way to get close to them. He gets in their life. He he talks to them, he, he treats them like a human being where a lot of people wouldn't. He pauses for them. He takes the takes the time to hear them, to see them, um, and so he does all of that really well. And he, and and the, on the other side of that coin, and maybe that's not even on the other side, but maybe a, the fuller picture is he does all that without um, celebrating or supporting or championing what their lifestyle is. It's just, it's just this crazy concept where like, he finds a way to get all up in their life in a, in a really loving, like, I'm here, I'm with you, I see you, yeah. you know, I felt you, I know where you're at. But, but then when he's done with that interaction, from what we can see, there was something that took place where like, they, there needed to be a redirection of sorts. Yeah. And, and so Jesus gives us, I think, the best model of when it comes to interacting with people who have opposite viewpoints of, of us or would say like, you know, I don't believe what the Bible says about LGBTQ stuff or whatever, that Jesus modeled a guy that was able to just still stand on what, you know, his life embodied, the truth of, of scripture or whatever. Um, but he, he still left people with the sense of like, something needs to change here. Um, but I I still really love you. I, I can't imagine the woman at the well. I can't imagine the woman caught in adultery. I can't imagine Zacchaeus. I can't imagine several other people, uh, the, the woman that had the issue with the blood that like when they encountered Jesus, they, they walked away ch- changed. They walked away transformed and something shifted about how they lived. And um, and so I think that there can be both. Yeah. I think that you really can love them like you're saying, Macaulay, but you can still hold true to the convictions of the word of God and, and, not, and they actually don't necessarily have to compete in regard to that person feeling loved, but then also, um, having the truth that can transform them. So I know that's not like a simple answer or a simple equation that doesn't always flush out that way, but I think Jesus is our perfect example for that throughout the Gospels. You know what? Locked and loaded? Just before I get to another one, uh, I think a lot of times as Christians we think uh, love equals, or that like, Loving them means we have to agree with them, and love doesn't equal agreement. Like you can love somebody and not necessarily agree with them. And the question that like I, I'm always posed with that like because I, I I spend a lot of time at church. I work at church. Like this is where I spend most of my life. And so like being around non Christians is is something that I'm really passionate about. 
and I want to do more. And uh, a question like I, I just like challenge you with like, are you willing to walk with people in the wrong direction? Like if it means just like being with them and loving them. Like, are you willing to walk within the wrong direction? Because I think so much, so much we're like, oh, I'm going to love, I'm going to love people with the love of Jesus. But like, then we find out like that they disagree with you on something like this. Yeah. And then we're like, ah, I'm not willing to walk with you that. Like, are you willing to walk with people in the wrong direction? Yes. Like, like willing to walk with people in something that like, man, like this is not lining up with scripture. And this is not, not something that I believe, but I'm still, I'm still, I still love you enough to walk with you. Yes. Like that, that, like that's that's difficult, but like, man, that's that's actually love. Yes. Yeah. Love is not making people projects. Love is walking with them, even if it means walking in the wrong direction, without compromising who you are and what you believe. So, ah, man, just yeah, just love. Well said. You have another life loaded, either either one of you guys. I'm working on one, I'm working on one right now. These are, by the way, these are great, really good questions you guys are asking. I wish I could, I wish I could just read them all so that, even if we could answer them all. Um, Someone's got a list of some really good ones. I want to answer one of the first ones they asked, but while I'm finding it, I'll hit the first, or one of the, the, the bottom ones. Um, feel like I have to earn God's love and do good works perfectly. What's the balance of still yearning to do good works for the Lord without the striving? I'll read it again. Feel like I have to earn God's love and do good works perfectly. What's the balance of still yearning to do good works for the Lord without the striving? Such a good question. Um, I don't have a really good answer because I don't fully know what I um, what I believe on that yet. For me, I'm fleshing it out still. Uh, but and it's cliche, but it's true. Uh, like when it comes to the world of works, um, that idea that you really live from God's love, not for God's love. You. When you, when you live and work from God's love and not for it, like, you can work your tail off. And, um, like, poor, uh, I was reading Philippians earlier today and just it talked about how Jesus became obedient to death on the cross and humbled himself and to, to humanity, to being a man. And he emptied himself. Yeah. That picture is insane to me. So God, fully human, uh, shows us the greatest model of sacrifice and, like, he emptied himself. Uh, and yet, Jesus was perfect. So, how does all that work? Was he striving? Was he? I mean, I think he was walking fully in his identity pretty well. And so, and yet he emptied himself. And so, there's this idea that I think it all it all comes down to what's the motivation piece? Is it is it from or for? And I think that's something that I think you have to ask yourself every single day. I mean, I wake up. I literally do this. I was talking to somebody this the other day. I literally wake up every single day. Go to the bathroom. Walk into the bathroom. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I'm, this is not the first thing that I do. It's like the second thing that I do. <laughs> turn my little, fl- my little flashlight on. <laughs> this little phone. I turn it up so like I can have it towards the mirror a little bit because I can't turn the bathroom light on. God forbid I do that with my wife. You know, she's still kind of sleeping or whatever, and I can't. Switch. Yeah, that day will not go good if I wake her up with that light. So my little flashlight's my best friend. So. Um, <laughs> Point towards the mirror. I literally look at the mirror, and 
and I just speak truth over myself of like, you're fully loved and accepted by the Father through Christ. He can't do anything to earn his love for you. Um, I say it again, you're fully loved and accepted by the Father through Christ. Your identity is in him. And just that reality that like, that sets my day, that sets my pace for my day, my rhythm for my day. And all that is, is me saying like, I live from, not for. I live from, not for. So, you know, you'll have to flush that out for your own life, but part of that would be my response there. Uh, a couple questions um, about suffering. Like, why does God allow suffering in the world? Uh, somebody mentioned um, Job, the book of Job. Uh, if you never read the book of Job, uh, it's nuts. Um, but There's another question about dinosaurs as well. And uh, Genesis, Genesis, Genesis is not confirmed nor denied. Right, well, uh, but, but I was just thinking, I don't know where it's at, but there is something in Job that speaks to potentially oh, a dinosaur. So what's, what's the... What's the well, five. There you go. Yeah. So there's some there's some scripture. Anyway, we'll keep, yeah. keep going. Yeah. I, I digress. Um, uh, but but trying to hit two pterodactyls with one stone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but why why does God why does God allow suffering? Um, why does God allow bad? You know, there's tons of questions there. Why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Why is there evil in the world? And uh, my simple answer is I don't know. Yeah. I, I really don't. I, and honestly, like. I don't know is probably one of the most theological answers you could ever give because there's a lot of mysteries to God that we will never understand until we see him face to face. So uh, the simple answer, I don't know. But I am really, really passionate about this because uh, it's everywhere, right? People people get sick. People, you know, there's there's deaths. There's different things that happen. Like, And, and the, answer, the question is always why. Why does this happen? And, and the reality is we live, we live in a broken, fallen world. So... Uh, another short answer, sin. A lot of this is a result of sin in the world. But what, when it comes down to you and how you deal with it, uh, there is a story in the Bible, uh, in the book of Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, all great kid names if you're looking for some. Uh, <laughs> Chase? December babies, Shadrach. Little Shadrach. I pick Abednego, but anyways. Um, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and there are these three dudes that love Jesus, and there's this king uh, named Nebuchadnezzar, and, uh, and he says essentially, like, you got to all bow down to these, like, these idols, and uh, if you don't, like, we're going to throw you into the furnace. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, just loving Jesus with everything they got, they're saying, like, I'm not going to do that. And, uh, and, and what you have to look between the lines in scripture is they're not going to do that because of what they believe. And so I ask you, I know that's like such a simple question, but like, what do you believe about God? Because when, when, when your, your mom gets cancer or you have some kind of sickness that you've prayed for healing over and over and over again, and it still doesn't come, that question gets a little bit deeper. What do you believe about God? When he doesn't heal, when he doesn't heal me, what do I believe about God? Yeah. Okay, well, I, I believe that, that, that God heals. Okay, well, why do you believe that? Because when it gets down to it and, yeah. and you pray for healing and it does not come, what you believe is so important. And what we see in the story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he says, like, even, like, Nebuchadnezzar, we're not bowing down, first of all, because this is what we believe. 
But then they say, then they say this incredible statement that is just so profound. But even if my God doesn't show up, I'm still not going to bow down. And, and I, I, I challenge you, like, like well, why does God allow suffering in the world? I'm not really sure. But, man, you better be pretty confident in what you believe and why you believe it. Because when it gets down to it, things like that happen. It's what you believe that will keep you steadfast, even when what you believe isn't reflected in reality. Even when you believe that God's healer, but he's not healing. Why? You know, I don't know. But what you believe about God has to be so concrete, so steadfast, that even, even if he doesn't, I'm still not. I'm still not bound down. I'm still not giving in. I still believe that God heals. Um, before I go into the question that I wanted to go into, um, when we were talking about that, um, I just really felt like someone needed to hear this. Um, so this is something that I learned, or well, just really the Lord just revealed to me. Um, and it's a pretty simple statement, but it just absolutely changed the way I viewed um, suffering or when I suffer. And that was that suffering doesn't equal abandonment. That's not what it equals. Um, and if you haven't ever read Hebrews, go read the book of Hebrews. It will smack you in the face. It's so good. Um, but there's a part in chapter 5 when, it, when it's saying uh, 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 when, uh, towards the end of Jesus' life when, he, when he's crying out to God. Um, and he's, you know, literally, he's sweating blood at that point um, in such distress and in such suffering. Um, and then it says, and he was heard. Um, and then it says, although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obeyed him and was designated to be God, to be high priest. And, and I would almost... Um, and I would almost ask the question of what about what comes after the suffering? What, for me personally, I have never experienced God so close in my life than in those moments. Yeah. Because those moments are not to say, oh, God has abandoned me. Where, where, why are you doing this to me? Like you've never, you've, you're obviously trying to hurt me. No, no, that's not God's heart for you. Those are the moments where God's actually like, I'm so close to you if you would just look at me. I'm right here. Yeah. And what you learn through that suffering is such, is such a deeper foundation and it's, a, and it's a depth with the Lord that you wouldn't have had if you had never had that suffering. And I'm not saying that you should go through suffering or God wants you to because I don't believe that's God's heart for you either. He wants good things over your life. But through this suffering, you're going to learn a depth and an intimacy with the Lord yeah. that you would never have had before. Yeah. So instead of looking at suffering and saying, where is God? Like in, a, in an act of like, he's gone. Say, where is God? Because he's moving and he wants to teach me something through this. Um, so that's what I would uh, touch on that because that was something really, really recent for me. Um, and so there's a a question that um, came up, and it says, discuss why the Bible says, and he will give you the desires of your heart, but we don't always get what we pray for. Um, and I have a, a couple thoughts on that, but um, I, would, I, would, I would ask, are they um, 
just your desires or are they God's desires? Yeah. And really getting getting to the root of that. Um, because the closer you get to Jesus, the more your desires are going to look like Jesus' desires. Um, and so going between that tension. Um, and then on the flip side of that, no is also an answer. It's not just, yes, you get everything you want. Here are rainbows and sunshines and butterflies. No is also an answer. And it also gets down to what Wes was talking about. What do you believe about God? Do you believe that he has the best for your life? That he has the highest calling for your life? That he's more committed to who you are, to developing who you are, and to developing what's going to happen in your life and where you're going, then you are committed. Do you believe that you're more committed to your life than God is committed to your life? And so when you, when you think about the desires of your heart and you're saying, God, I don't see this happening in my life, then God is probably saying, that's not, that's not good. I have something better for you. And so that's what I've got to say on that. Um, I think we have maybe time for two more here. So you got one. I'll have to load it, just in case. Um, what are some practical steps to get out of the, quote, try or, quote, guilt cycle on sin, shame, mistakes, etc.? cetera? Um, that's a great question. Um, one of the first things that I, I don't have scripture for it except for, um, in, I think Philippians 4 uh, speaks to um, thinking about uh, keeping your mind on the things above. Um, but a lot of the times why we stay stuck is because we're we're fixated on trying to stop the thing that we're stuck in. When when in reality, a faster way to get unstuck is to stop fixating on stopping and spending more time and energy on the starting of something good and holy and righteous and pure. And like if you've got an addiction to pornography, um, your issue is less about looking at pornography, it's a deeper issue, it's a hard issue. So rather than like, I'm not gonna get porn anymore, um, begin to focus more time on like, I'm gonna fill myself with some scripture. Like I'm not gonna just stop looking, I'm gonna start looking, sometimes better. Yeah. Um, and that, that for me, at least in my life, has been, has been extremely helpful in helping keep me unstuck in that cycle. Um, so that's, that's one thing I'd say. I think another thing is um, just the practice and the discipline of confession. I think people stay stuck longer because they don't confess it. And there's a big stigma around confession because, I mean, there's lots of obvious reasons why I guess some people just the shame and stuff that comes with that. But, man, if more Christians practiced confession uh, to, to God and to other people, I think we would be unstuck and not as um, in that cycle of sin um, as much as we do. And then the last thing I'd say is... Um, when you really do the process with the Lord of confession, repentance, and then walking out that process with Him, uh, with whatever that thing is that you struggle with or you continue to find yourself cycling through, um, it's impossible to be uh, to be the same person after that full process happens. Even if it happens again and again and again. Here's what I mean. Um, if you really let the gospel do the work that the gospel can do, in your life, and you don't shortchange it, 
and you don't just check a box off of confession and check a box off of repentance and then just go on and then you're good for a week and then you come. Something, you, you begin to be actually transformed. Again, we just did this whole series called Check Your Heart. It's not about behavior modification as much as it's about heart transformation. And so a lot of us though are just like, we're, we're okay with behavior modification. All right, I'm good for this week. I didn't mess up. I didn't do this stuff. And then we feel good about ourselves, but our heart is still not transformed. God wants to do the transforming work, not just the modifying work. And so, um, but you have to let the gospel do gospel work in you before that can can really play out. And so that, that'd be that'd be what I say. That's not the full full answer, but that's something that for me in my life that I've I have to constantly go back to uh, those three things. There. Got one more. Yeah. Um, how can you tell the difference between uh, conviction and guilt? Uh, was the question. But I think uh, to be more. Um, accurate with the terms, um, the difference between conviction and condemnation is those two different, those two different things. Um, conviction comes from Jesus, comes from the Lord. Condemnation does not. I believe so strongly uh, that um, God will never speak down to you. Mm. Uh, I don't believe, like, if you ever have it, because it's really hard, honestly, like, one of the most asked questions ever is, like, how do I tell if it's God's voice or my voice? Like, like, ah, you know? And um, I think it's so hard to figure out conviction and condemnation because they both come through the same medium. And it's, it's right here. It's in our mind. And so what I would, I would encourage you with, if you ever feel like you're hearing something that puts you down, uh, that is not from God. It is not conviction. That is condemnation. Mm-hmm. And my Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right. And my Bible also says that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Yeah. 2 Corinthians yeah. chapter 5. And so I believe that when, because yes, those are true, but God still gets up in there and stabs and twists and, and does what he needs to do in you. Because this, this is sharper than a double-edged sword, and it, it, it cuts deep. But that's conviction, and conviction will always call you up yeah. to who you're called to be. Yeah. So that, I think the hard part is because we feel like when we get called out, that that's like something's wrong with you. But God calls you out, but he calls you up. Yeah, and the difference between conviction and condemnation is that you get called out on something that's happening in your life or something you did, but it calls you down. And that's the devil, that's the devil speaking to you. And so... Uh, if you are ever feeling like, man, I just, I just feeling so guilty lately. That is not from God. It's not, it's not from God. Guilt does not come from God, but conviction does. And we get, we get those twisted, and we, and we interchange them, and it's just not true. And so, uh, God will always speak to you, uh, like, no matter what. Like, if you, are, you are saved, you are, your position is secure in Christ. So that means that, like, your position doesn't change based on what you do. And so that means that, like. You're his son. You're his daughter. He loves you, and he's pleased with you. I mean, that's 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 what happens when we see like the dove come down when Jesus gets baptized. You're my son, who I love, and I'm pleased with you. So when you are a son or a daughter, he that that those things don't change. And so when he speaks to you to change something in you, he'll always call you up. He'll always call you up. He'll always call you to be who he's called you to be, and not call you down. It's really good. It's really good. Um, give me some grace here as I communicate this because I haven't processed it, filtered it. So if I hurt, hurt a feeling, I apologize ahead of time. 
sincerely, because I don't really know how to communicate it, but I've, I've been wrestling with this because I have more and more conversations with people around things like what this question asks, the difference between con conviction and, and guilt or conviction and condemnation. Um, I think at times Christians can play a game where we begin to justify what actually is conviction mm -hmm. for quote unquote a condemnation and so we can label that and then we, we actually don't lean in to the conviction that God is trying to make us feel or put in our life because we don't want to. I, here's an example. I had a conversation with somebody the other day um, that, that they were talking about something going on in their life and, and they had been gone for a season. They, they, were, they had been connected to, to, to church and, and really connected and then they just kind of just MIA'd and they were walking me through that season and there was a piece of me that was like, well, wait, what, what's going on? And I reached out a few different times. They didn't really give me much back. And they reflected back on that season, and they were like, yeah, with me in our relationship, like, uh, we just, we weren't honoring the Lord in our relationship. There was some stuff going on physically that was going going down, and it, I just, you know, that's, that was what was going on. And we began to talk that through, and he didn't want to be in church because he 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 felt convicted. But but at that time, he labeled, he labeled it feeling judged, or he labeled it feeling guilty. And I think what we can do at times is we can put the condemnation judgment label on something when actually it is God trying to be like, yeah, it's not about making you feel bad, but it's about making you, uh, it's about like, hey, heads up, like you're going to go down the destruction, destructive path. So like, yeah, you're going to feel that because I'm trying to do something more healthy in you long term. And so, yeah, you're going to come in and feel that because like, I'm not about that stuff because that stuff is going to lead you to death. And and I, I want to like dispel a, a thing that I see happening in especially our generation. My gosh, more than ever, it's this like, you know, we don't we don't wrestle with conviction well. And I want to call call us, this group, back to that. Like wrestle with conviction. Like don't yeah. don't don't mislabel conviction yeah. with with condemnation and be like, yeah, I'm not gonna feel that because it's condemnation. I'm not gonna be guilty. Like, no, like, don't don't push back. If God's trying to do it's because He loves you and He knows where you're at and what you're doing is gonna lead you to a path of destruction and death. So so don't don't be that person that's like, nah, nah, nah. no, like, stay connected to what that conviction. Don't push back. It's doing something healthy in you. Um, I think that's really important. And I, I really wish my prayer for our generation is that we would be a people who run to conviction and embrace conviction and love conviction because it's a good thing that's going to keep us healthy and experiencing more of Jesus in our life and more of God's best for our life and our future. And so that's the end of my statement. Yep. And then we got to get I This is so good though. Uh, uh, not what I'm about to say. Sorry, I'm not trying to be here. This is so There's a couple questions here about pride. So. I got a lot of But uh, I, I, I just thought something why you said it, because that that, that's really profound. Like, if you didn't catch that, like, go back to the recording of this and listen to that again, because that was, that was really profound. Uh, but it, it made me think, like, both conviction and condemnation, they both hurt. But one leads to life and one leads to death. And so I think, I think sometimes we, like, equate hurt 
to condemnation, but like they both hurt. Like God disciplines those He loves, and so but one leads to life and one leads to death. Yeah. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Great questions. Um, you guys are are a really smart, hungry group of, of people uh, that are on a journey, and I wish we had I wish we could do a long version of this um, and yeah. and just have a great conversation. I, I, I want to keep having these nights. And if you didn't get your question answered, I apologize. I know some of you, you're like, man, I answered like, I asked like 12, 20 questions. You guys didn't get one of them? I'm so sorry. There were, there were lots of, a lot of questions that came in. Um, I, we might, I think it might be, might be, we did this with our high school group. I think I'm, I, I'd love to do it again. Maybe we can, maybe we'll do a, a separate like uh, podcast, you know, for 30, 45 minutes and, and hit a couple that we, we missed that way we can address them. But also part of what we're going to do is take some of the threads of the questions, pray through them, and ask God what he's trying to do through questions that are being asked in our group for this next season and what we preach and teach on. So thanks for being willing to ask. Thanks for being bold. Don't stop asking. You said at the very beginning, we need to be asking more questions. And and I want to affirm and honor Marion, uh, Jackie, Paul. I'm not sure if we've got anybody else in here that's in that category. Some of our, this is Paul, in case you don't know Paul. Jackie's over here. Um, Macaulay's mom, she's incredible. Anybody else that's in that category? Um, just leaders that are a little older than us that are here to pour into us. Like we do, we need to be around these kind of people and asking them questions about life and relationship with Jesus stuff. So do it. They're here. Get in their life. Go take them to coffee. Yes, sir. You can yeah, come up here. They need, to, they need to hear your voice amplified. Yeah, you gotta hear my voice. <laughs> Especially when my vocal cords are sore. Uh, one thing that was that I was thinking while, while you guys were talking about um, one of the questions there is the category of warfare. So, if you're new to the kingdom, this can be a bit hairy. If you've been around for a while, your calling, your marriage, your future, your destiny is opposed. It is hated and opposed by a real being who wants to kill you. When we were talking about Job, who inflicted the wounds on him? Bingo. He's real, guys. He's real. Who stopped Paul from going into the, I forget which country he was going into, which letter? He says, we wanted to come to you, but who stopped us? Yeah, he's real. The Bible assumes this guy is real. And he carried, when he fell from heaven, he carried a whole bunch of demons with him. And they are assigned to you. And they are watching you and stalking you, and they're watching your behavior. They're watching what you're vulnerable. They're watching what bugs you, what makes you crazy, what makes you judge people. And they come up and they say, look at that guy over there. Look at that guy. What an idiot he is. Right? Be on your guard. You need to have an answer for that. I didn't have one for the first 15 years that I was a believer. So I sat around judging people every day of my life. Not to mention all my other problems, but I won't go into that right now. <laughs> Spiritual warfare is real. And the good news is we, uh, we have a victor in Christ that we uh, his victory to participate in over those things and as real as it is uh, what's even more real is the power we have in Christ to overcome those things that are very real like you're saying so well we love you let me pray for us and um
We're going to have a great week next week, the worship night. Man, we need more than any. My hair, so you're laughing at me. You me I did this, and you did a quick little smile. Because it happened earlier today, and you were like, what happened to your head? Um, you look good, dude. Thanks, dude. There was a couple questions in here about Wesley and his fashion and how he picks his clothes and all that stuff. I was like, get out of here. Favorite ain't fair. Favorite ain't fair. Let's break. God, thank you. Uh, thank you for being real, for walking with us, for loving us through uh, all of our stuff. And God, we honor you tonight. Lord, we do, we do declare you're, you're victorious and we get to, because of, because of your love for us and how you've extended uh, grace towards us, you, you invite us into walking in that victory ourselves. And so I pray for every single one of these people in here with what, what's going on in their life right now, that they would just experience more of you in it and grow closer to you uh, in the journey as well. We love you in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.